Hello and welcome to Plot Trists. This is Lane. This is Meg. And today we're reviewing Bed Me, Duke by Felicity Neven. This was published in 2023 and is the first in the Bed Me Books series. Or maybe just the Bed Me Books. The first That's- Bed Me book. <laughs> Full disclosure, we did receive a complimentary copy for this review. Ah, should we just jump straight into the book jacket? Yeah. Let's do it. A desperate Scottish countess seeks lovemaking lessons from a gorgeous rogue. He can't stand her fierce resistance to his charms. She can't stand his dazzling good looks. But why bother standing when they both prefer to lie down on a bed together? Especially since neither has any intention of falling in love. Captain Jack Pike leads a blissfully carefree existence as London's richest and most notorious rake. Becoming the Duke of Dunmore would ruin his fun. He doesn't even know where Dunmore is. Scotland, maybe? To add insult to injury, the savage Countess of Kinmerlock refuses to swoon for him. But why should he care? Jack only beds women married to other men, after all, and there's not a man in the British Empire brave enough to wed the feral countess. A countess in her own right, Helen Boyd must marry the new Duke of Dunmore to save the people of Kinmarlock from starvation. If only the troublesome Jack Pike would go away and stop torturing her with his handsome face, perfect male body, and shameless flirtation. On the other hand, Jack might be just the man to teach the woefully inexperienced Helen a thing or two about seducing the Duke and luring him to to the altar. And as a part of her training, there would be the added advantage that she would get to bed the most beautiful man she's ever seen. You know what? It's fine. The only thing I take a little umbrage with is the whole like lessons in lovemaking part. Yeah. Uh, Other than that, to be completely honest, I think it's pretty accurate. It's like there, but not in the way the jacket presents. Correct. Yeah. And I have to say I was a little disappointed because I do like some sex lessons. Same Z's. But before we get to our discussion lane, should we talk about our summaries? Yeah. Well, as usual, we generated a random number between 1 and 50, and then we wrote our summaries based on that number. For this episode, the number is 8. I will go ahead and start. Helen says ye a lot because she's Scottish. Yeah, they never let you forget. Nope. A lot of, like, discussion of redheads and names starting with Mac and... And nay and A-E and, written a lot. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I mm-hmm. written a lot. Mm-hmm. Oh, hi. Yeah. All right, so my eight-word summary. Uh, most women suck. Put a ring on it. True. Yeah. I don't know, Lane. Tropes. I wrote inheritance shenanigans. I don't know if it's that's exactly the right trope, but there's a lot of, like, she inherited a portion of the estate because it's separate from the dukedom. So there are all the titles in the British Isles were male primogeniture. However, and I'm forgetting the terminology right now, some titles had stipulations that if there was no male heir, a woman could inherit. So it's not a question of 
the oldest child because an older boy would still supersede any girl at any point. But if no boys existed, a girl could inherit. And so the earldom could be inherited by a woman, but the dukedom couldn't. Right. But what I'm saying is, so her grandfather was the earl and the duke. Yes. And he had one daughter. Correct. Who inherited the earldom. Right. His younger brother inherited the dukedom. Correct. Okay. But that's, it's not because of the oldest child. It's right. because of there being no boys in the direct line of succession. And so the earldom could continue in a direct line held by females, but the dukedom couldn't. Yeah. So anyway, she's the countess of this little strip of land that's completely surrounded by the dukedom. Right. I would think, like, I'll, I'll phrase it a little differently. I think the main trope of this book was Scotland. Yeah. And I think that is encompassed, like, the inheritance and the weird structure of poverty and, you know, the clearances of the land who are actually uh, more like tenant farmers in a lot of ways is, like, a product of these Scottish territories at the time. Yeah. And you get a lot of exposition on land clearances and the specific state of farming in Scotland in this era. There's a lot of Scotland. It's like the main trope is Scotland and everything else is just a sub trope of Scotland. Yeah. He's got a hidden identity lane. I think this is a good time to say this book was problematic. Uh Uh-huh. But I actually kind of had fun reading it. I agree with you. It's reflecting back that I'm like, oh, that was kind of cringy and I don't like that I had fun. But his whole, he basically was never meant to inherit. Trump. Trump. Um, a cousin who, for all intents, was young and married to a young woman, like, was expected to have tons of kids, just drops dead one morning. So suddenly he's the Duke. And so he decides to run off to see his lands. But under his captain name mm-hmm. which yeah, is his, so he, his name, is, name not his, his birth name yes his name is his he took his stepfather's last name right but now that he's got the dukedom he's gonna have to go back to his actual last name right and change his first name too for some reason i get it jackson nickname i get it but also who cares just call yourself right. jack you know what i mean <laughs> Right. But so he decides to go to Scotland, like, in disguise as a, like, agent of the Duke, but not the Duke himself. Mm-hmm. Because there's also a couple of weeks where until the Dowager Duchess gets her period, they're not sure if she's carrying the air. Mm-hmm. So in this, mm-hmm. like, ambiguous period where his status is unknown, he decides to go as not the Duke. It's liminal space, guys. And I loved that. Very sincerely. Like, I know it's super tropey, but watching him interact with people who didn't know he was the Duke, both her, but also, like, the other people around town was really fun. That part didn't bother me. I I didn't, it didn't bother me at all, actually, that he went under an assumed identity. Right. Um, That was fine. I'm not saying he didn't go on too long, but I'm saying the initial, like, the reason he went, the fact that he was trying to, like, get to know people not as the Duke, like, all of that I was fine with. Yeah. Uh, she is a woman tied to her land and her people. In other words, she's a Scottish woman. Right. And so, again, all of these are just subtropes of Scotland, pretty much. Yeah. There's a makeover moment. There is. So she's got the worst wardrobe known to man. 
Mm-hmm. And he takes her to a dressmaker who owes him a favor to fix that. And she does. She fixes it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Sex lessons. You would think sex lessons would be like the main trope of this book. Yeah. However, uh, I take issue with that because it's not the case. <laughs> right. So she gets it in her head pretty early on in the book that if the new Duke is unmarried, her marrying him would be the obvious solution to their problems. Um, And so when she finds out the Duke's agent is there, she's like, all right, seduction is my best avenue. So I'm going to ask the guy who knows the Duke how to seduce the Duke. But I also happen to be really in that into that guy. So I also get to fuck him as the learning experience. But then like that never actually happens. Yes. The fact that she even frames it that way is just an excuse to like verbalize his specific insecurity that he's wanted for the title, not the person. Yes. If it had been, if it, he never agrees to sex lessons, in other words, which in my opinion, if to be a sex lesson trope, I, I really truly think both parties have to agree. And then a sex lesson has to be given. Yes. She just shows up in his room and is like, teach me how to have sex. And he's like, I'll sleep with you, but I'm not going to teach you anything. And she's like, specifically teach me how to have sex so I can have sex with your friend. Yeah. And I don't know. I I wish it had been made clearer through narration that she was just using it as an excuse to sleep with Jack. There were a couple of moments in this book where I didn't quite understand the POVs we got. Uh Uh-huh. Where I think it could have been really helpful to get some follow-up. Like, this is a spoiler alert-ish. But toward the end of the book, this book starts in Scotland, then happens in London, and then the end of the book is back in Scotland. And you get the scene where she leaves London entirely from his perspective. And even when you go back into her perspective, you never found out why she did. Yeah. Or like what she was, there was, and that's like a low, like spoiler moment I can describe, but there were several where I was like, I just feel like being in her head or his head or like a follow-up in one of their perspectives would have helped. Yeah. Well, I mean, let me tell you that the whole, the whole prologue of the book is the sex lesson moment. And yeah. How did you feel about that? I didn't. I thought it was interesting. I thought it was an interesting choice. I found it a little odd that it was entirely from his perspective. Yep. It was 100% from his perspective. Um, I, I did find it a little funny. This is one of those books where the spoilers in the title, right? Right. She doesn't know he's the Duke, so she never goes to him to say, bed me, Duke. Right. Right. She's just like, bed me, Jack. Mm-hmm. For the Duke. <laughs> I I mean it's definitely a hook, right? Let's we it can was say that. a hook. I think his perspective was a mistake. Yeah, that's that was such a cad. Yep, and I don't say that in a fun way. Nope. Like there is underlying misogyny through this whole book that is underexplored in a way that actually made me feel really uncomfortable and squicky. And being thrust right into that mindset was not compelling. I almost like I had to forgive this book for the prologue, 
even though I would have thought that like an in meteorized moment of the sex would have been a real hook for me, it yeah. ends up just feeling kind of squicky. Yeah. Let's talk about that. So this was the part that, that I found that I definitely remarked on uh, as I was reading the book. And it's basically that Felicity Niven gives the male characters the probably period appropriate characteristic of being really misogynistic, rakish assholes. Yeah. Like the entire, you know, not the, not the first chapter because that's the sex thing. But even but like, his thoughts about women in that chapter aren't great. Yeah. But like when he's deciding to go to Scotland, he's basically like, ugh, I'm not going to be able to sleep with a different woman every night. Ugh. And he and his friends very casually frequent brothels. They all have mistresses who they view as not people. Yep. And he like very clearly is like, I only have sex with married women. There's a time limit on the relationship. Like, that's it. He's he's one of those he's one of those rakes who has rules around his liaisons. Yeah, but usually those rules are like I don't corrupt innocence or like help anybody cheat. And his rules are I only help people cheat. His his rules are I only have sex with married women because number one, he doesn't want to get married to anyone because corollary, all women are cheating awful people. And if they're and, married, there can be no expectations because he can't date them publicly. He can't and, give them presents. He can't. And yeah. the proof that all women are treacherous bitches is the fact that all of his lovers are married. So right. it's a very circular logic. Yep. Obviously. It's not like he's actually tried to woo a debutante. Correct. And then, like, I mean, this doesn't really change throughout the book. Like, he gets letters from one of his friends that's talking about, like, all the new debutantes like you can marry this one she has big boobs this one she has a good smile this one would probably suck your dick real good yep and i was like damn and like, like on this the one is hand, the, if this is really how men talk about women i'm horrified and i'm happy to be single for the rest of my life yeah yeah exactly exactly so she she gives them that agency to really be misogynistic assholes and he does have I guess a little bit of a reformation because he, he sees thinks she's so special. He sees like two women as people, her yeah. and, and Mags or, yeah. or right. That's her name, right? right? Yeah. Her and Mags uh, are, they're actually, they're actual people who deserve, you know, a Mag Mags is a child in need of protection. She, he doesn't see her as an adult woman. He sees one adult woman as a person. Yeah. Yeah. It's true. So, I mean, this this goes back to what we were talking about the other day, actually, about what's a reformed rake, right? Mm -hmm. And this falls on the voluntary monogamy side. Yeah. Like, okay, I found the one woman who deserves me, deserves my faithfulness. Gross. Um, there's an oh my God pants in their first meeting. And she is a... Not just a you don't know you're beautiful, you get the impression she is not conventionally attractive. Yep. Now, granted, she is not conventionally attractive partially because she's too skinny. I roll. But you, the description of her facial features is not that of, like, a woman who stopped traffic. Yeah. Nope. And she's very flat-chested. And she's talks about it a lot. 
And she doesn't need stays because she's just so, you know, slim. But also, like, everyone who sees her talks about how plain she is. Which, fine, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> fine. It, it's funny because I don't know if it's the fact that the language used and is often so different or if it's actually, like, my perception. But when a woman talks about how, like, a man is not necessarily universally attractive in romance novels, but she's really into him, I often find that, like, touching. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, fine, you don't get the impression this guy isn't an Adonis, but she's super into him and his looks and she thinks he's hot. Yeah. <laughs> I felt like the thesis at the end of this and the way that her looks were talked about, including by him, was more like beauties on the inside. Yeah. Which is fine, it is. Like, I'm not, but it, it doesn't seem like he was ever, like, that into her looks. Well, he was, he had these moments where he was like, I mean, I wouldn't say she's beautiful, but wow, she's just got this some special something that I can't look away from her. But he never articulated it more than that. And he continued yeah. to remember. There's one point after they've been fucking all over town where he's like, I'm just going to spend a day with her not having sex. So I remember she's plain. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, oh, ouch. Like, oh, Jack, this is not Springsteen's You Ain't a Beauty, but hey, you're all right. And that's all right with me. Levels of romance. This is actually oh. like. Dude, you shouldn't say that. Are you yeah. sure you're into her? <laughs> okay, let's talk about the uh, hidden identity thing. Yeah. So for me, I like. I it didn't bother me when he's like, "I'm gonna go to Scotland, not as the Duke, because I want to mm -hmm. like see what's going on, nose around the property, see mm -hmm. what the issues are." Um, and also like he's not happy to be the duke right so it's, it's also just a totally selfish i want to live for two more weeks in the anonymity of not being a peer right like even beyond any like altruistic motives like he just wants to not be the duke for two weeks yeah totally and so he's like i'm gonna go up there and just you know be be me be jack pike for a little longer right but he soon learns that you know politics and the dukedom are more complicated than he expected and he should probably, you know, take an interest. Mm -hmm. And he also realizes, and here's the one part where I was like, okay, she's, she's edging into this not super misogynistic thing where he's like, Oh, I actually can't really sleep with any of these women on my property. Right. Because they're going to find out that I'm the Duke and that's not kosher. Right. So basically the only woman he can sleep with is her, which I think is, in, I think it was an interesting choice because either he could go like to a town off of the, the duchy's property and like have sex with the tavern maid or he can have sex with Helen. Right. And I, I really do think that um, the author did a good job of showing that he, he got this like kind of focus on her because she's like the only woman he's allowed to be attracted to. Right. So I thought that was kind of an interesting element. I agree, but I do think the author failed to question, like, is it a balanced relationship there? Because, like, clearly she needs the Duke. Yeah. She's hoping to marry the Duke, but even if she doesn't marry the Duke, she needs the Duke to be a good land steward at the very least. So it's not like it's a equal power dynamic. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, so no. allow Jews to strip. Like, yes, it's, I guess, better than hooking up with, like, a random girl on his property who he's, like, actually the lord over. But it's not like it's an equitable relationship. No, absolutely not. And so, of course, then he we get to that that tried and true romance convention where he's like, does she love me or does she love the title? If I propose to her now as Jack, Jack Pike, would she marry me? And I actually liked the way it was done here. And this is uh-huh. one of the moments where I think the book transcended its bullshit and charmed yeah. me. Yeah. Because both of them are themselves and their titles. Uh-huh. And I think the fact that them as people clearly were so into each other was, but whether or not the title holders could follow their heart because they had these, like, I actually thought it was really like fine. Yeah. I liked it. I was charmed by it. That part was perfectly fine to me. Yeah. I did get a little frustrated because she does come down to London where he is the Duke. Everyone knows he's the Duke. And he still tries to keep this masquerade as Jack Pike. Oh, no, he kept it up way too long. Way, way too long. I was like, oh, Jack. He needed to come clean before they hooked up. I mean, that would have been ideal, yes. Before she came to him with her plans of marriage. But, like, it would have been one thing even if, like, he decided to keep it a secret until he was definitely the Duke. Yeah, yeah. But the second he found out that his treacherous ex-fiance, current Duchess, was the was not pregnant, he needed to tell everyone what was up. Yeah. And because the longer he let it go on, and especially like sneaking her around, like something he was ashamed of. Like, I don't think he fully ever dealt with that in the text. Like just right. how gross he made her feel. Yep. Agreed. I agree. I I, I got a little frustrated. I got very frustrated with him because I was like, you just need to, you just need to come clean. Just tell her. I mean, he has yep. a friend who's the voice of reason who's like, dude, what are you doing? There, this is no conflict. Yeah. Yes. He's like, wait, you, you want her to marry you, but she wants to marry the Duke. And he's like, yeah, see the issue. And his friend's like, but you are the Duke. <laughs> Like, you are the, that's the same person. I don't see the issue here. <laughs> and you've also talked about how, like, she knows the Countess must marry the Duke, but she, the woman, is really into you, the person. And you're mad at her? I, I this friend, I have to say this friend acting as relationship therapist was, I, I really appreciated him. Yeah, but this man acting as relationship therapist is the same one who was like, yeah. you look at this 17-year-old and you picture her lips on your dick. I know. Which was not ideal. No, it wasn't ideal. He also has another friend who has a giant dick. Have you seen Magic Mike? No. It's described as a big dick Richie Richie situation. So um, Joe Manginello plays a character in Magic Mike known as Big Big Dick Richie. And there is a plot point in the second movie about him finding a vagina big enough for his dick. I mean, that's what the book is going to be. He calls it his glass slipper. Yes, well, that's, I, I'm sure there's going to be a book, Bed Me Edmund. <laughs> Bed Me Edmund. It's, whatever its title is, is more I don't likely, know what its okay. title is. Bed Me, mister. <laughs> oh, yeah. 
Yeah, but I mean, I'm not going to lie. I want to read that book, but. <laughs> Here's what I will say about this book. Am I worried about all the like clearly deep-rooted misogyny that was present throughout the entire text and the profoundly insecure heroine? Yes. Th those things don't bode well for future books. Did I like all of his friends and their shticks? And am I like, one of them is clearly in love with his little sister's best friend. One of them has a dick that can't find a vagina. Like, okay, I'm here. I'm here and I'm ready. We're going to read them. I mean, what can I say? <laughs> but, I mean, <clears throat> I feel like we spent a lot of time criticizing the book, but we both had a lot of fun reading it, to be honest. That's why, like, this book was problematic, but it was yes. fun. Yes, yes. We all have problematic faves. And I think you can classify this as, as one of those books where you, like, you recognize that there are some problematic elements, but you have a really fun time with it. Yeah, I don't, like, fave is a little strong, like, but I, I this was a really fun quick read. Um, Anything offensive other than everything we've talked about? Uh, honestly, so she had, okay, yes, yeah, so she has a neighbor who, uh, she borrows money from and he would be happy to accept other means of repayment wink wink if you know what i mean and then he does corner her and attempt to force her yes to provide that service in a ball situation so be aware of that other than that uh i don't think i don't think there are other like content warnings yeah actually, i mean like besides I the rampant misogyny Right. Um, how sexy was this? I don't know. I mean, it was pretty sexy. It's hard for me because, like I said, that first sex scene, the yeah. India Res one, was, like, not sexy. I was a little bit, like, horrified by what I was reading. But then the more context I got, the sexier I found it. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there's some they don't know it's goodbye sex. But there's sex after the happily ever after, and there's a yeah. really cute B plot couple that's adorable. Yeah, and like I, I like, I liked it. I yeah, I liked it too. I would say pretty sexy. Yeah, pretty sexy. Yeah, they have sex a lot of different places. They do, and they have a lot of making out and oral. And he's really obsessed with talking about how small her boobs are. Yes. He's into it, I guess. It's fine. It's but cool. again, he doesn't talk about it in a way that he's into it. But thank uh, you guys so much for listening. We would love it if you would rate, review, subscribe, and check us out around the internet wherever you can find plot trists.